In June, Andres Camacho and Tess Hostetter departed from McGrath to travel down the Cuscoquim in a raft. Just under a month later, they landed in Bethel. They spoke with KYUK's Francisco Martinez Cuello about their journey and what they learned from time on the river and with the communities they encountered along the way. So we're here, and it is, what, July 14th? And yeah, let's start off with introductions. What, uh, what's your name and what brings you here? All right, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Andres Camacho. Um, live in Juneau, work for uh, KTOO there. And uh, Tess and I just uh, floated into town yesterday. We started a paddling trip in McGrath um, this, over this last month. It took us a little over a month. And uh, yeah, we did this journey, I guess, in the least kind of amount of words because we really wanted to get to know the Cuscoquim and the people to live here and we thought traveling down the river was the best way to do that. I'm Tess Hostetter. I work for the New American Fish and Wildlife Society and the Alaska Climate Adaptation Science Center mm-hmm. and uh, really the purpose of this trip was to um, meet uh, communities and understand how we could better support them. So we were chatting with a lot of folks along the way and and learn more about um, the concerns people have in this area and how we can support them. Yeah, so talk to me where, where you started. What was like the entry point? McGrath, right? Yeah. We started in McGrath. Not all of our gear got there. <laughs> so <laughs> we were there for maybe five days. It's probably the longest uh, t- time we've spent in a community. Hmm. Uh from there, it was, what, a four-day journey to Stony River. Mm-hmm. The river was small and very slow. But beautiful. So beautiful. We uh, One of our favorite memories of that first section from McGrath to Stony was uh, the uh, trumpeter swans. And uh, when we would pass, and just with all birds, you know, you could just, the sounds would just kind of bounce off the riverbanks <laughs> all around you. And... Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, when, you know, we were settling into the journey, you know, figuring out how we have pack, we had pack rafts, figuring out how, you know, that worked and how to organize all our gear, you right? At the beginning of any journey is kind of like, uh, you're, you're still right, you're figuring a lot out. But uh, it was nice because it was real quiet. We only saw two skiffs, um, some friends, that we, which we later uh, ended up meeting downriver in Georgetown. Wow. And so talk to me about the logistics about that. Like, so you, you're, if you, did you both come from Juneau or... Yeah. Yeah. And so, so how you flew to uh, Fairbanks? I mean, how how did that all work? Well, this trip was dreamed up maybe like a month prior yeah. to <laughs> actually arriving in McGrath. Uh, we knew we wanted to do a river trip. Yeah, and we we're originally considering the Yukon, and uh, for some reason that didn't feel right, and. We like I was looking on a map, looking at um, other areas and um, saw the Cuscoquim. And I was like, what if we do a Cuscoquim trip? And as soon as I said it, I was like, this is going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. I felt like just um, supernatural, supernatural um, and kind of like to use a river term, like the confluence of just like a lot of kind of interests, um, you know, both like interests that Tess has with work and then even I do, wanting to just kind of get to know this part of Alaska. Um, but also just kind of a lot of personal reasons, too. It just felt like, yeah, like Tess said, it felt right. 
And we were like, oh yeah, I think this is this is where we're supposed to go. And so, I guess um, not knowing any of, of your backgrounds, um, like it must have been like spiritual in the sense to 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 make you connected, or at least felt give you a sense of place and where you you belong in this in this state or this space or this. Um, am, am I wrong? I mean. Talk to me about that experience. It must have been spiritual in a sense. Mm. Absolutely. Um, It's been hard to put into words how it feels to be on the river and to experience the communities and the, like, we were talking about this uh, while we were floating the other day, just, like, how different, you know, the epistemology and the... um, state of mind state of mind people have and the connections they have and to be almost defined by a river and to be connected by a river and that was yeah whether it was from upriver and you know families inner you know like downriver um all there's all these connections but i grew up in the bristol bay area um in igiagic and i grew up on a river and it's so similar and it reminds me so much of home just you know, the salmon culture, um, and to be around Yupik people has been really good. I've been in Thlinket Ani <laughs> land for a long time, and it's been nice to, you know, feel at home on the, you know, on the tundra, and yeah, it's been nice. Yeah, and I think that was probably something we'll be unpacking for a while, like just, yeah. like Tess was saying, the state of mind of being on a river and how it shapes who who you are and seeing that in people and communities um and feeling that like the way that kind of transcends time you know because we were meeting folks that um you know for generations have known each other and been in relationship communities we've had a term called river time river time river time and And it's really changed us physically mentally yeah you know like we our body clocks are totally different um and uh yeah, definitely, like you said, spiritual, definitely, in a way. Um, I think for me, kind of what drew me back to or in wanting this trip is that um, rivers were shaped the way I got into what I do for work, into storytelling. Um, and uh, I think it because some of my first experiences in trying to learn how to share people's stories and to... Uh, engage with them has always been on the banks of a river off that's how it started for me it can it kind of shaped how i like to work and as now as a documentary filmmaker and so it felt good to kind of come back to those roots and to feel those roots deepen um and to feel that in a in another place you know there are of course differences but you know rivers i think there are maybe similar ways that rivers um shape people all across alaska and across the world but of course here there's the there's these distinctions right being in yupik country being in a place that has um been that is salmon country and has been you know for millennia that too is is just really beautiful to kind of experience all those kind of forces gathering and were were there any things that we were struggling with whether it be something in your personal life or, or, or not, or maybe perhaps generation, generational trauma or things to that effect, any kind of like, you know, negativity or kind of thoughts, experiences that, that were kind of 
you know, cleansed in the, in the, in in a sense by by taking this trip, if you will, because as you know, water is the great cleanser. And so, I don't know if any of you experienced that or not. I mean, or you have, or you're still unpacking that, and and that's fine. But it's something to kind of like think about and talk if if you are interested. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, for me, there's always. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll start with like the first thing that comes to mind, but um. I sometimes sometimes uh, it can feel hard to feel human in mm. um, the way our society and work is structured, and especially the way that um, maybe you feel this in your own job. But um, I didn't get into documentary film because I like to sit in front of a computer, mm. and yet there's a lot of that. Right. Um, so I think there's always there was that was definitely part of it, like wanting to reconnect with like the more human part of yourself mm. um to um i mean there's just something so beautiful about the way that an, a river helps you meet people you know we come around a bend and we arrive at someone's fish camp and the just there is something um so deeply human about that moment of connection um and that just feels really good so i think yeah in just like a general sense that feels really healing just to connect with folks in a in a real, just to feel human. I mean, I don't know if that sounds maybe overly simplistic, but, um, and to rediscover, just like to have time to think, you know, Tess and I had some long days paddling sometimes. I think on solstice, we paddled 13 hours. Wow. Um, Tess is always curious about what's around the next river bend. She's like, let's keep going a little further. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's something definitely kind of something physically and mentally cleansing about hmm. something like this. Well, thank you for that honesty. And- yeah um i had a conversation with a retired school teacher in quislick who is from quislick she had a really good explanation of this um she said that she used to teach her students with two circles and in one circle there was you know like the subsistence life cycle this um this circle of life and um in the other circle was the clock and she spoke about having to exist in both worlds it was a necessity it wasn't a choice and how each world requires you know different aspects of yourself whereas you know in this subsistence lifestyle um you listen and how in Yupik, you know, I isn't the first thing you say in a sentence and it isn't emphasized and how in, you know, like this world of the clock, you have to, you know, be mindful of your time. You have to state your purpose. You have to um, be opinionated. And that's like they're different. And um, we talked a lot about that struggle and um, that shift and having to, you know, navigate both worlds uh there's a lot of similarities in you know the different types of traumas that were experienced by my people um here too and it was um it's really hard at times to hear some of these stories and uh, hear the same story over again i guess and that it you know it affects all of alaska from you know like a simulation of cultures and to feel those impacts um hearing about you know 
how high the suicide rates are and then meeting the families who, you know, explain, oh, you know, I have two sons that committed suicide or, you know, it it was really tough. And um, to see the impacts of, you know, colonization on Alaska and to uh, see the similarities from my hometown from Southeast Alaska. And there was this sense of luxury to be able to do this trip. Not everybody gets a chance to connect to the land that they're from. Um, and it was, we're, we're really lucky and uh, fortunate that we're able to do this. Uh, yeah. yeah, thank you for that. Um, thank you for being vulnerable and trusting me with that um, and, and for your, your honesty. Um, talk to me about the people you met, the, the, the incredible people, right? Oh, because, we met so yeah. many good people. So, so many. So, tell, <laughs> so what, what sticks out? So like we were rained on, but the warmth of the people really <laughs> kept us alive. That's right. The, the, the sun in the sky did not warm us this summer, barely at all, but the people up and down the river yeah. really did. Absolutely. In their generosity and their stories and just their smiles. Such such warm, warm people here. Mm-hmm. Um, Inviting us in to stay in their homes, feeding us. Yeah. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been so good meeting everyone on the river who we've met. Um, yeah, and even when you, you know, you step away from the river and you enter someone's living room, um, where other people have also stopped in to visit, you know, you're also, you're kind of stepping into another river, like this, like, this river of, of, um, like, time and stories that go back, you know, people start reminiscing about um, the past, and, you know, you see the way that their families have been connected. Um, it's, it's this other kind of immersion that it was just so special, um, just to, yeah, just to, just to hear, um, I don't know, Dean, Tess, help me out here. But like, I, I was thinking about like when we were in uh, Stony River and at the Gusties with Andrew Jr. and Mary and um, just, I mean, all the things that we talked about and listened to and, you know, either hearing about kind of bits of family history or just life of, um, you know, working in the kind of the logistical side of like living on the Cuscoquim and we were talking with someone that runs a barge up and, Andrew Jr. also has some experience, you know, running up and down the river. And um, so, man, just like this, the stories, just the way, the way they're kind of just meandering and following and, and, um, and you know, at the same time, you're, you're sipping on some warm coffee. And uh, it's just such a joy to experience that and just truly, like, reminds you just of, like, um, the gifts that are really so important in like in this life and just sharing time with one another and and uh sharing coffee can be some it's just some of the most meaningful things that you can do mm. yeah um the generosity we experienced whether it was with people sharing their homes or stories was incredible and the willingness to um open up to a complete stranger that uh you know, showed up on the shores was, uh, 
you know, people responded really well to that. Mm. We were thanked in some instances. Um, and something in my job that we're hearing a lot is like, we want people to like come to the communities, like to see it, to experience it, because mm. you can't really understand something that you've never been to. Um, and that was, I think, super important in uh, Crooked Creek, where they are uh, dealing with the impacts of a massive flood in May. And uh, we were there, you know, a month later, and they were doing huge cleanups. And that was uh, something that I would not have been able to understand over email. Like, to see the community come together was mm -hmm. pretty incredible. Um, and to understand that, you know, when you're living in remote areas, the people around you are the people, are your team yeah. members. Uh, yeah, I'm rambling at this point, but, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> incredibly generous people on the Kuskokwim. Yeah. So thankful, um, for everyone who, offered us a ride who offered us food who you know Inside. drove up to the atvs and the children the children oh my gosh mm -hmm. <laughs> the kids who would you know we, we would st I, we when we stopped in akiak it was like uh kids started emerging behind connexes and like from, from grass. grass like we showed up and two minutes later we're like surrounded by kids <laughs> who are you are you married what are you doing where do you go to the bathroom <laughs> That tent is pretty small. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why? Why? Just, <laughs> um, they would help us sometimes set up our camp or move, bring stuff up and down. Um, and uh, yeah, just fent the kids were always, I think, the, fent the first and kind of really warm ambassadors of a community. And so how, how did that work? You know, you brought up that tent. So like you would paddle all day and then find the spot and then you know, I guess anchor in and, you know, how, how did that work? I guess I'm just trying to understand the logistics because I wasn't there. So, <laughs> yeah, we, um, we would, um, I mean, so the st schedule we kind of found ourselves in as the trip wore on was that we enjoyed paddling into the evenings. Well, I mean, I guess the first challenge, the first logistical challenge was, uh, the mosquitoes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> up river out of regret it was just something so you could not ignore and we found that if we paddled late into the night sometimes if we were lucky and if we chose an island you know facing and camped on the point facing down river and hopefully there was wind that maybe the morning would be bug free and you could have some breakfast without swatting bugs so yeah kind of our schedule became you know to kind of start around midday and kind of finish at midnight find a nice little island that felt good and uh, pull our rafts up in there and set up tent, set up the tent in the camp, and then. Uh, and as we got farther down river and started hitting more communities, we, yeah, you would pull up on shore usually at the boat launch and mm -hmm. try to find a flat spot. Yeah, and just kind of walk around, and sometimes you know maybe camp near the school or, um, yeah, I mean everything was about just. Uh, you just take it one step at a time, yeah. And so, how how long uh, has this? I mean, you're still not done, right? I mean, you, you're still gonna keep going further. 
or not? Actually, no, we're, we're, we're finishing the trip here in Bethel. Oh, okay. Well then, so how long did it Unless take? Unless it miraculously like gets sunny. <laughs> That's right. No, we did say that if the sun, we made a promise that if the, if the sun came out, we'd keep going to the ocean. Um, how long did it take us? Uh, we left McGrath on the evening of the 19th of, of June. Wow. So I'm not good at math, so I won't do that. But Say uh, it's like a roughly a, a month, give or take. A month. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anything? Anything else? I'm. I'm missing. I'm. I'm. You know. Um. I guess what? How will this inform your work? You know, how will this experience? Mm. I, I know it's. I know as you're still processing this, but like even even throughout the the time, it has to have been working subconsciously. Like, how will this experience in, inform your work? When I was approved by my work to go on this trip, I my supervisor um, just gave me like one task to listen and to listen to tribal needs. And, uh, and that's what I did is we tried to meet with as many tribal organizations as uh, we could along the river. And um, whether it was trainings that were needed whether it was climate concerns uh we heard a lot of climate concerns a lot of uh food security concerns especially regarding with fisheries decline uh the way that this will inform my work is to understand how we can you know prioritize funding for certain um projects certain trainings certain workshops and um, understand if there's any research needs regarding climate that would be helpful for, you know, land managers or um, governments. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a big question. I think, I mean, for me, I mean, it's just like a re, I mean, I think something that I thought about constantly and something that kind of always comes forth in this trip and trips like this is that there is so much, um, I mean, just just thinking about like through the lens of climate change, um, uh, there's just, there there's so much expertise out here in all these communities. People just at a very deep level understand what is happening uh, on their homelands and in their communities. Um, and whether it was you know when we were in Crooked Creek or just listening to various folks like Tess was saying talk about fisheries decline. Um, or other concerns, you know. How winter has changed how winter throughout has changed. their lifetime. Yeah. I mean, people just here have s- just such a deep, I mean, I feel like expertise doesn't even really, is not even really an appropriate word. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there's just, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it gets me thinking about just how, you know, whether it's like organizations at the state or federal level, you know, let's, let's just say climate change. I think that's a good example. Um there just feels like the, f- the folks here that are the experts and they really understand what needs to happen aren't always being listened to, aren't being approached. And, you know, those that kind of are on like the policy level side um, just um, don't understand that like the folks here in the communities need to lead. And, um, and I think also just, you know, maybe from like my love and listening and sharing people's stories just 
um, I think you're going to stick with me, just a real appreciation for, um, I mean, I feel like I constantly walk away with just like the power of story and just, um, the knowledge that is just carried, whether it's by, um, you know, elders in the community, just, um, just how much wisdom is there. And so, yeah, I guess I'm going to be thinking about just like in my role, like what does it mean to, yeah, make sure that, that, um, these voices lead, I suppose. I don't know. I'm still thinking about that, but just, uh, really, um, taking that in. And and what about the, um, I guess, how was that experience like when you've, you're, you're, you're on the water, you know, um, trying to understand, or I guess like being in the water for so long and then trying to be, you can't fight the water, right? Like it's just, um, Hmm. where, where you're, you're constantly rocking or, or swing and then, you know, being on solid ground to, to, um, to camp for the night. Um, are you still like rocking? I mean, are you still like swaying? I mean, do you feel it? Do you feel the water constantly? I guess I'm trying to understand after being there for almost a month on the water. It's a philosophical question. I don't know. It mm-hmm. may not even make the cut, but I'm just thinking like, because I enjoy deep conversations yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel it philosophically. Mm-hmm. Well, it was nice to have the sense of like physical time where you cannot go back up river <laughs> unless you really wanted to, but that was something we figured out. We like, talked about it, really yeah, early. yeah. Uh, like, oh, should we have camped back there? And then it doesn't matter because it it's already. <laughs> it's behind you. It's behind yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. No, the river was such a great. I think that's a rep- physical representation of time, and it makes you, I think, realize feel time on a physical level. Yeah. Like even if you're just sitting on the bank, it's just moving past. It's moving past. It's moving past. It's mo- it's it's there is no like moment without just change or energy or flight like it's it is just movement all around you whether you're on it or watching it um so yeah maybe being on this ribbon of moving water that braids and sometimes meanders you you it makes you attuned to like these other um currents that you are on whether it's you know the path that this planet is i mean i remember thinking like the path of the planet like moving through you know the universe right now i mean all of these currents that you are part of that mm-hmm. is always moving and it is in constant change um yes yeah, so i feel like in that way like that like metaphysically i don't know if that's the right term like i'm still kind of thinking about that and still rocking by that but yeah it was a good uh, appreciation like what tess was saying is like we can't you can't go back that's behind that's 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 Think about what's ahead of you, mm. you know. You have anything to add on that? <laughs> I think you asked the right person uh, here, <laughs> the poet <laughs> of this relationship. <laughs> you are. We are just poets in different ways. <laughs> we, we, it, and I think that's neat. Part two is having. So this is the first time I've shared a journey like this with someone. Yeah. Uh, I've done journeys like this individually, and. Um, it was really special just to hear someone else's reactions to what you're experiencing to like to take Tessa's like to hear someone else's like just kind of poetic response um spiritual philosophical response to something that was so powerful in, in, in so many moments and uh yeah so I, 
I'm appreciative that I took this trip with Tess. And and being that it it you know, from from what I hear, this isn't a normal summer. Uh, I'm, this is my first summer, but like, I have experienced the, the a winter here, and so, you know, was it, was it, what were your thoughts on like, seeing how, the it was frozen not 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 too long ago. I mean, like you said, uh, the breakup was was a late breakup, and so like for me that would be a constant on my mind just oh. knowing that this water was you know six feet of, of frozen yeah ice. we talked about it often like wow we'd love to experience this in the winter mm -hmm. um there in some places there's still ice buildup on the islands yeah. um you can see where the ice scraped away the vegetation on the sides of the mm -hmm. you know like banks and um you're always imagining oh what did this look like um just you know a month prior yeah i think for me the like i wasn't so much thinking i mean definitely thinking about the winter and how dynamic this place is but also thinking about like the troubling dynamism we're experiencing i mean like i said talking to folks's stories about their memories of how things are changing and how quickly and how severe the implications those are whether that's for fisheries and you know um i mean I mean, like, like, you know, life is this river, right? And it keeps going on. And, you know, you can think about things like climate change. And then, you know, you get stuck thinking about what you're doing tomorrow or something like that, right? And climate change can be a hard thing to wrap your mind around. Um, and hard to also maintain, like, a constant state of, um, like, oh, my gosh, we have to do something about this. Um, but, yeah, they're just, I mean, I've just hearing just the degree the, the the like I said the degrees of change and the impact and also appreciating that like these are impacts that are driven largely by forces outside of the Cuscoquim right you know c these carbon emissions weren't created by these communities and yet the changes that they're facing and at, at, at the at the speed that's I think the speed of people's memories you know talking to someone who has memories that like from like 30 40 years ago and I feel like they're essentially what they're describing is a is a different world that maybe like a river bend behind us like we potentially can't go back to that or at least not immediately um that there was a frightening part about that um and the state of you know and how fisheries have changed that was also shocking you know we were the people at georgetown who were just jubilant that they were catching some kings and speaking about how that hadn't happened in a while and so the struggles that communities have been facing here for a long time because of changing ocean conditions but also because of policies that are in place you know, with trawl bycatch and things like that, like human, very human caused problems that, um, that are put, um, imposed upon people that live here. I mean, that was, um, I mean, at times angering. I mean, it, it really kind of stirs something inside you. So, um, I forget now what the question was, but, um, that, like expansion of like, you know, like I said, how people would expand our sense of time and like, cause we can only see like, like I said, you've experienced this year first summer mm -hmm. and this is my first time experiencing this river. And it sometimes takes, uh, someone on the banks, whether it's in Stony or Akiak or Aniak telling you like what 1977 was like or what, you know, their grand, how their grandfather, what he experienced to remind yourself that, um, this is not always how it was. And, and it gets you thinking about what's around the next, you know, river bend of time and what do we have to do about that and who should be leading and what voices should we be listening to.
what else what else do you want to say any any last minute things um we really want to come back mm-hmm. absolutely yeah just really hope we can continue to have a relationship with so many of the great people we met out here i feel like we have a long list of <laughs> folks to thank and send mail to and uh yeah well thank you for having me and um thank you for coming in and 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 being honest and open and yeah um thanks again thank you thank you great honor.